Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that breathes in random alien mist and comes out with superpowers. <laughs> I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. And I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. Together, we are working our way through the entirety of the MCU. And hey, do you have any idea where this ancient city is? Glad you asked. No. <laughs> All right, listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 8 through 10. All right, Lonnie, this episode's four-color facts are full of shade. Yay! I love shade. I love Unruh shade. That's right. I got all the shade in the world for these particular four-color facts. Okay. So first, we're going to talk about Cal Zabo, uh -huh. a.k.a. Mr. Hyde. Oh, I am fascinated to hear this because I kind of looked him up a little bit, but I haven't really read deeply. And I'm, I'm so in love with this character. I want to hear how he started out. Um, I think you're going to continue to like the MCU air quotes Mr. Hyde more yes. than you like 616 Mr. Hyde. Maybe. But, mm -hmm. but, so, so a-holes. Mm -hmm. Ever since the lightning round, I have been keeping my eyes peeled for the thing that would reveal Sky's dad as recognizable to me mm -hmm. in any way as an homage or a borrow from the 616, and I keep not seeing it. <laughs> in desperation, I turn to my lovely co-host and say, just tell me what it is. And she says, Mr. Hyde. And I said, what the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> because I barely see it. It's like Ooh. one syllable, some anger management issues, and a host of shitty brown suits. And otherwise, there's <laughs> nothing there. Well, it's, 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 it's inspired by, you know. Oh, man. This is that uh, loosely inspired by real events sort of sure. nonsense. Mm -hmm. However, upon some Googling, Cal the Crime Doctor is indeed, I guess, supposed to be the MCU Mr. Hyde, apparently. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Mr. Hyde. <laughs> As you may recall, Lonnie, from mm -hmm. reading Thor the Mighty Avenger, yes, Mr. Hyde is a Thor villain. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, although, interestingly enough, he started out as the nemesis, not of Thor, but of Thor's alter ego, Dr. Donald Blake. Uh-huh. Zabo was convinced that Dr. Jekyll's chemical experiments were both real and repeatable. But you need cash for that kind of experimentation, and so he systematically defrauded his employers over time. I love a man with a goal, man. Sure. Now, he was too smart to get caught. He is legitimately a genius, but he did start to have kind of a cloud hanging over his professional life. Like, nobody was accusing him of anything, but it was also like, you seem like bad luck, guy. When he tried to get a job at Dr. Blake's hospital, Blake said no. Mm -hmm. This enraged Zabo. After all, how could this hack Blake not give him the job? Mm -hmm. The fact that I plan to rob the hospital beyond the point, right? It's just not important. <laughs> he swore his revenge on Dr. Blake and after perfecting his formula, returned to the hospital to defenestrate Blake. Blake was able to strike his cane on the building as he fell and transform into Thor Whereupon he claimed he saved Blake before Blake hit the ground. Right. You may need to define defenestrate because not everybody knows that word. It's a great word, but I think you, you need to define it for people. 
Yeah, Mr. Hyde showed up and pitched Blake out a window. Yes. <laughs> I love that there's a word for that. Oh, yeah, it's important. And there is a historical event built around that word. Oh, yeah? Defenestration of Prague. Oh. That's a little little historical Wikipedia. Go Wikipedia, a-holes. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. But the baseline is bunch of people pitched out windows in Prague. All right. <laughs> As you may recall, because I'll explain some other details here, when Thor was masquerading as Donald Blake, he had a lame leg. One of his legs was not working properly, and he used a cane, which he would strike against the ground and turn him into Thor and turn itself into Mjolnir. And as I say, he's falling to his death, smacks it against the hospital in desperation, (laughs) turns to Thor, saves himself, tells the radio station or whatever, mm-hmm. because somehow Zabo heard it on the radio, but he tells people that Thor saved Blake. Zabo heard that and declares war on Thor as well as Blake. <laughs> Pretty great, right? Yeah, like, no, it's good stuff. It's kind of like a hate triangle. It is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really it. I mean, Mr. Hyde's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. He operates as a professional muscle for hire supervillain and mm-hmm. Zabo himself is quite brilliant. And so he always has stuff to do, but he also isn't, you know, he doesn't carry that much water on his own. Does you know, he switches back and forth, though? So he has a double identity, too, or does he just always hide? He is hide as much as he can manage. Uh, he does mm-hmm. have to, like, replenish the chemical in formula in his bloodstream. Oh, okay. All right. And mm-hmm. in fact, has invented a wristwatch looking apparatus that will inject it directly into his bloodstream. So uh-huh. if he needs to be normal, he can do that. Right. And then he's yeah. got this device that he's like, oh, Thor's here. Let's murder him. Smack the watch. <laughs> And he hides out, right? All right. Mm -hmm. Now, as Mr. Hyde, he is incredibly physically strong and resilient. I mean, he is able to stand toe-to-toe in a fight with Thor. Mm -hmm. He's actually grown stronger over time as he continuously refines his formula, which, like I said, now he keeps on himself at all times in his wristwatch to -hmm. replenish the supply. (laughs) However, the growth, like the physical growth, stretches his skin. And so his face is always pretty hideous as Mr. Hyde. Wow. Yeah. Now, Zabo himself has extensive knowledge of biochemistry and is a PhD in medicine. And I want to ask one particular a-hole, Anya, is that a thing? And does that make you a double doctor? (laughs) Are you a doctor squared if you're a PhD in medicine? All right, Anya, we will be looking for that answer on Twitter. So that's basically it for Mr. Hyde. He's um, kind of like the wrecker or the wrecking crew, like one of these. Oh, you know, uh, I love that muscle for hire guys, but they <laughs> yeah. are like ridiculous amounts of muscle. You know, like yeah. Oh shit, Hyde's here. Everything mm-hmm. just got escalated. You okay. Know? Mm-hmm. I like it. To be honest, I like the version. In as much as I feel we're getting a version of Mr. Hyde in Agents of Shield, I think you'll recognize him a little bit more as we go. Okay. A little bit more. (laughs) I mean, it's fine. (laughs) But it was just the fact that I was supposed to pick up on this because of his Richie Rich style closet of repeating tan suits. Is pretty well, I didn't know. loose. I, I didn't know what was in the comic book. So I knew that, that he was inspired by that character. And I thought that they would drop hints for you. But apparently not. Not so far. I mean, right. um, 
Dr. Zabo's first name is Cal, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's like the one syllable who, what is that? Come right. on, anyway. Mm-hmm. It's, fi- it's fine. It's a great opportunity for Kyle MacLachlan to show up, be awkward and murderous, and sweat a lot on screen. I and love it. And chew the scenery. I love it. I love yeah. Kyle MacLachlan. I've never been like a huge Kyle MacLachlan fan um, in, his, in his other stuff, but man, I love him in this. Yeah, no, this is this is a better version of Mr. Hyde. I mean, I feel like you could easily get the best of all possible worlds if they had a little more uh, like a Hulk out special effects budget mm-hmm. on Agents of sure. S.H.I.E.L.D. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. The special effects budget of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will come up multiple mm-hmm. times in this conversation. Just put a pin in that. <laughs> but as a hint... To where that conversation may go, let's talk about Terrigen Mists. Oh, yes, absolutely. I am excited to hear you talk about this. Okay, so, a-holes, heads up. If you haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I can tell you a little something that will definitely be discussed ad nauseum over the next several episodes. (laughs) Raina and Skye are in humans. (laughs) At the end of our 10th episode, they are exposed to the Terrigen Mists. Trust me, even though no one has said that out loud, that's what they are. They both went through Terragenesis with mm-hmm. a special effects budget of about a buck and a quarter, and then they came out the other end with superpowers. <laughs> I like the effects of Terragenesis. <laughs> sure, I'd like them if anybody had given a damn to make some good ones. I mean, it's a nice idea. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool, but you know. Okay. All right. It's possible that some other special effects things had set me up to be disappointed by it. Maybe. We'll get there. All right. Now, I am not going to go into a bunch of detail on Inhumans right now, because eventually Lonnie and I are going to have to watch Inhumans, God deliver us. (laughs) We'll do that with a lot of alcohol. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Now, and that show does center on the royal family, which have been the only Inhumans whose names have mattered for the vast majority of the 616. Mm -hmm. But I will talk to you about why we suddenly have a bunch of Inhumans running around the MCU and, much to my surprise, the 616. Mm -hmm. Friends, the answer is the movie business. (laughs) Okay. In the 616, the vast majority of superpowers are due to people being mutants. Mm -hmm. If you have an X gene, then you hit puberty, you get superpowers. Sometimes they're awesome superpowers, sometimes they're shit, but you get them. (laughs) The poster children for mutants are, of course, the Mm X-Men. Except that Marvel Corporate licensed the X-Men and almost all of their attendant and related characters to Fox. (laughs) Fox has definitely made some X-Men movies. And some of them are even watchable. Wow. I know. I saw First Class. I liked First Class. First Class is a gem. The first couple of movies from whatever we're getting up to, 10, 12 years ago, also (laughs) gems. Mm Mm-hmm. Then it's a mixed bag. Logan is a tour de force. Is it? Yes. Awesome. Yes, but you need to watch it and buckle up for some sobbing. Like, just put the tissues next to you for real. Anyway, very sad. (laughs) But that means no mutants in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the MCU has no easy access to random powers. Mm-hmm. And so whoever is in charge of these kinds of decisions at the MCU decided to use other less well-known randos with superpowers, <laughs> the Inhumans. 
And in a frankly shocking twist of brand synergy, the 616 also introduced mass mutation uh-huh. for those with an inhuman gene when a terrigenesis bomb was set off across the earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone who had inhuman ancestors, no matter how remote, breathed in the terrigen mists, went into a cocoon, which apparently is what was supposed to have happened to Raina yes. and Sky. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right. <laughs> It's not at all as cheap looking as 1985's terror dogs in the Ghostbusters. And <laughs> and then you come out with superpowers. Boom. Instant rando super people. There you go. Mm-hmm. However, the 616 did not phase out mutants. So now there are two different groups of superpowered randos and everything is super confusing. So brand synergy can drop dead, I guess. <laughs> right. However, this whole thing did give us Kamala Khan, the magnificent Ms. Marvel, and so I'm definitely calling it a huge fucking win. She is okay. so great. So she's inhuman. Yes, she okay. is. She is. She her her stretchy powers mm-hmm. derive from the fact that somewhere far back in her ancestry, an inhuman was involved. So she has inhuman genetics. And when the Terrigen bomb went off, she breathed it in, went into her buck and a quarter cocoon and came out with weird stretchy powers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I cannot wait to see that movie. That is going to be really, really fun. Interestingly enough, they announced I, now. I mean, this is all a bunch of rumors and there's always stuff that they're working on. But we actually had headlines this week that they are working to integrate Ms. Marvel into the MCU. That's uh-huh. literally all I know, but I am super excited about that. Yeah. She is such yeah. a great character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's going to be fun. Um, so I have to say, though, like, I actually quite like the cocoon effect. Okay. That's, <laughs> I think it's really neat. I like the way it kind of covers them up. But you know what? We'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, actually, no, that's okay. Okay. Let me be more specific. The The actual covering of them, that effect was yeah. great. The, yeah. the, I guess, either they're bad real statues or real mediocre CGI statues that they are when they break out. That's oh. the part that I'm just like. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I can, but yeah, the thing, whatever it is, like, like it, but I can kind of see that flowing <laughs> over them was like, oh my god, this is a good horror movie. Yeah. This no, I thought that yeah. was very cool. I liked it. I thought that was really good. All right. Well, we will get to that whole discussion as part of our episode discussion. But first, we got to go through the episode summaries. In The Things We Bury, Coulson and the team break into an Air Force facility in Australia to get access to satellites that will help them locate the alien city. In Australia, Hydra infiltrates the base while the team is there, and when Trip gets shot, Cal pretends to help while actually severing Trip's artery, making Coulson choose between saving Trip and chasing after him. At the base, everyone else works on figuring out what facts she knows about Whitehall. Ward kidnaps his brother Christian and brings him to the well, forcing a confession from Christian about wanting to kill their younger brother Thomas. He leaves a tape of the confession at the family home, which he burns down with his brother's and parents' bodies inside, then joins up with Whitehall. In flashback, we see Whitehall murder Skye's mother for her regenerative powers and regain his youth after being incarcerated for 45 years. The Things We Bury aired on November 18, 2014 and was written by Daniel J. Doyle and directed by Mylan Shalov. In Ye Who Enter Here, Coulson and the team find the lost city that unlocks the deadly power of the obelisk, and they make a plan to go to Puerto Rico and blow it up. 
May, Hunter, Trip, and Skye grab Reyna from under Hydra's nose so she can help them with her knowledge of the obelisk. Coulson, Fitzsimmons, Bobby, and Mac go into the city, and while Mac is exploring, he's taken over by something mean. And he attacks the team, then falls into a deep shaft, and Coulson gives the order to blow the place up. Meanwhile, the other half of the team is in the air en route to Puerto Rico. Ward boards the bus and kidnaps Reyna, and then takes Skye, saying he promised to take her to her father, and he plans to keep that promise. To prevent Hydra from blowing up the bus, Skye goes with him. Ye Who Enter Here aired on December 2nd, 2014, and was written by Paul Zibzewski and directed by Bill Gearhart. All right, this is What They Become, and this is the mid-season finale, so this is going to be a lot of stuff. Hold on to your hats. Okay, in What They Become, Hydra works to find their way into the Lost City, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. team makes a plan to blow up the city using old Howling Commando tech, which means they have to go into the city to lay the bombs. Sky meets Cal, who tells her the story of her birth and how Whitehall brutally killed her mother. He also tells her that her destiny is tied to the obelisk. After they talk, he leaves with a promise to kill Whitehall, and when Whitehall shows up, he forces Sky to hold the obelisk. She picks it up and is unhurt, but uses it to take out one of the Hydra guards. When Ward pulls a gun to protect Sky, Whitehall takes Ward, Sky, and Cal hostage. Cal manages to escape, leaving Sky and Ward behind, tied up together. But just when he's about to finally get revenge on Whitehall, Coulson breaks in and shoots the guy dead. Enraged that Coulson took his vengeance away, Cal attacks Coulson as a gunfight breaks out below with Agent 33 and the Hydragoons and Ward. Downstairs, Ward gets Sky free and she shoots him four times and leaves him there before stopping Cal from killing Coulson, telling him he can leave now or she'll kill him. He agrees to leave, calling her Daisy before he does. She cries over bleeding Coulson and apologizes for not being able to kill Cal, then rushes off to go get the obelisk and stop Hydra. Agent 33, confused now that Whitehall is dead, finds Ward, and he says that if she helps him, he'll help her. Skye looks for the obelisk, but Reyna has taken it, and she goes after her. And then Coulson goes in after Skye. In the temple, Reyna bumps into a possessed Mac and asks him to lead her through the temple. Trip, Fitz, and Simmons place all the detonators, but May tells them that Coulson and Skye are down there, so Trip has to go back to disable the bombs. Mac leads Reyna to a room with a pillar standing in a shaft of light. Skye finds her there, and Reyna puts the obelisk on the pillar. In the temple, a possessed Mac fights Coulson to keep him from getting to Skye. The room begins to shift as the walls close around them. Trip slides into the room. The obelisk breaks open and crystals emerge from it, exploding over Reyna, Sky, and Trip. Reyna and Sky turn into cocoons, and Trip kicks the crystals, then turns into a cocoon himself. Outside, Mac drops to the ground, no longer possessed. Reyna's cocoon cracks off of her, and she is transformed, covered in thorns. Sky's cocoon blasts off of her as the ground starts to quake, and she sees Trip's cocoon disintegrate into nothing. What They Become aired on December 9th, 2014 and was written by Jeffrey Bell and directed by Michael Zinberg. Okay, so Joshua, here we have these three episodes, the mid-season finale of season two. Um, overall, what did you think? Oh, no, I mean, this is good. This is still yeah. good. Lots of things are <laughs> happening. Everything is super weird. Yes. Um, I do have some complaints that we will get to as we go. <laughs> but overall, I'm very entertained. I remain yes. in this thing. Yeah. All right. Good, good. I'm glad to hear. It. I mean, we have this first episode, right? You know, where we've got Ward taking his brother to the well. And Did I don't we? know about what was you. That? I don't care. I don't care was about there? Ward. I don't care about Wait, his brother. What? I don't remember <laughs> that shit. <laughs> 
I mean, I vaguely remember this these weird scenes of two pieces of poorly put together IKEA furniture sitting out in a field. <laughs> Wait, I mean, are you going to give them Swedish names now? <laughs> no, no, uh-uh, they don't deserve it. I mean, they're just they're not even put together right. Like right. you got to the end of the Ward Brothers IKEA furniture instructions and you were like, "Am I supposed to have this many like doodads and screws left over?" Yeah. I mean, this is like, okay, I know that I've been talking about Ward and how great Ward is. And I do like, I like, I like Ward now. I enjoy the character more when he's on screen in general. But in this particular run, I, I don't care. I don't care about his brother. I don't care about him. I don't care about the stupid well. We've gone to the well. I mean, this is both metaphor and literal. We've gone to the well too damn much. (laughs) Like, I understand he was traumatized as a child, but I don't care i mean they're both gross liars at this point i really don't care which one kills which you know um i have no interest in grant's tormented childhood as some kind of excuse for his behavior um but i do like i love brett dalton the actor who plays ward i just love him as an actor and there's this one moment when he's hugging christian after christian has confessed and we just see this dark expression his eyes go cold you know um he has all this emotion on his face and then they just go cold and I kind of love that. And I think it was well done. But overall, I just don't care. Yeah, I think it would be really nice if Brett Dalton got a job on a show that gave a shit about him, honestly. Right. Um, <laughs> or did it faster so that I would care. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it's just no, no. I still I mean, you're right. He is doing a better job now. They seem to care more about Ward. I'm not arguing that, but they this right. this is a ratification of you guys have done too good a job of making me not care about him because it is like, oh, tragic backstory. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Whatever, man. You know, can you stay in the house <laughs> yeah. while you set it on fire, Ward? Right. <laughs> I just I'm so, the, I just don't think I'm ever gonna care. Like I just uh uh the best yeah. part the, hmm. I mean, okay, this is not my favorite part, but uh, uh-huh. it was almost my favorite part was mm-hmm. when Sky shot him four times because I was oh, like, no. yeah, girl. I love that. Never turn your back on your enemy. <laughs> I love that. That is honestly, I think, one of the first moments. Like, I, I, I always, I like Sky, you know, like, but, but we're so, like, she's so central to this whole thing. And she's just not quite interesting enough to me, like, in general. You 100%. Know? Yeah. But in that moment where she shoots, like, without hesitation, he doesn't even get a chance to turn around. She's like, boom, 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 boom. Don't turn your back on your enemy. And then just walks out and leaves him there. I love that. I love that. I love the way they had her shoot him. And actually, that gives us a good move into the whole sky thing. Right. Okay. Let's. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Let's just go ahead and shift over into that. Um, I like sky. I like her um, her fight with her her dad, you know, her struggle yeah. with her dad, her inability to kill him right in that moment. You know, she's like so upset because she can't kill him, you know, um, and that's so hard for her. And I actually I really like all that stuff. The the dream sequence that we open in with Coulson and May as parents and the weird baby, um, like, you know, which, of course, is supposed to be her um, dream sequences are usually stupid i usually i don't care for them for a lot of reasons because they tend to be like pretentious they tend to try to give us a sense of this depth and meaning and it's really super cheap and i don't care for them um we almost never have 
dream sequences in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm trying to think of another one. I can't think of it. I'm sure somebody out there is shouting at me in their car while they're driving to work right now. Um, if you know what it is, go ahead. Tweet me. Hashtag listen up a-holes. The, I'll, I'll see it. Um, <laughs> but um, but I don't think there's any more uh, uh, dream sequences in S.H.I.E.L.D. So this felt so out of place for me. I mean, I know that we're trying to get deep into her experience, um, but it was it was all really weird. What did you think of the dream sequence? Well... Broadly, I feel like it's uh, one of those darlings that should have been put down like Ward and or Old Yeller. (laughs) Like it should not have made it into the final draft of the script. It's yes, it's really interesting to watch on its own merits. But it's and and if what they're doing is giving us exposition, it's more interesting than yet another read of Sky's file. Right. But we already know all that stuff. We've already got May and Coulson as you know these like subtextual parental parental analogs right. you know so we already know that i do however really love may in the blue eyeshadow from the 80s i love that <laughs> that was kind of fun okay here's what you know. I, okay mm-hmm. what does that mean in sky's dreamscape I mean, obviously that she sees May and Coulson as mom and dad, but we already... No, no, like, no. I mean the eyeshadow specifically. Oh, the specifically. blue eyeshadow specifically. Because that's I think it not means it May. Was the 80s. Right? I think it's it, not yeah. May. And she can't... And it doesn't seem like that would have been her real mom either. So that can't be part of the actual memory. That's part of the dream. What yeah. is the significance of the blue eyeshadow in Sky's dream? I don't know. Somebody out there should know, though. Somebody out there is a dream analyst, and I'd love to hear it (laughs) because I have no idea. Somebody out in the world needs to assign that meaning because nobody who wrote this scene did, which is kind of the problem. Yeah, I think they just wanted to put May in blue eyeshadow. I think they were like, oh, this is the 80s. Let's, you know, put Coulson in a weird plaid dad shirt you know and uh and may and and blue eyeshadow because it'll be fun you know may got the better um, end of that deal for sure though she certainly certainly did <laughs> we've got all this stuff we've got all this you know we know about skies you know like trying to to come to terms with her past and what she's learning about her past um we know all this stuff like there's no reason for this dream sequence to get us like into her head and it's not the way that agents of shield tells stories and, you know, yeah. in addition to that. So for me, it was weird. I didn't particularly care for it. Uh, but Sky throughout this run, this is when I'm really starting to like Sky. I love her when she shoots Ward. I love that moment where she's, you know, she's watching Cal beat up Coulson. And Coulson is more her dad than Cal is. But she's torn between them and she can't shoot him. She lets him go, you know, and that is such a hard choice for her. Um, and I think all of that is great. So I'm actually enjoying Sky a lot more. And we go through, of course this whole run you know through everything that that she does until we have her burst out of that cocoon at the end you know and that i think is a really powerful moment too so um so there's a lot of stuff here that i like with sky how are you feeling about sky during this run i sincerely hope that this is the point that i start caring about sky again (laughs) because they they made me care at the end of last season but then they have Mm -hmm. really i mean this is not just me being shady for humorous effect they have Mm -hmm. robbed her of anything interesting going on yeah i I mean other than talking about interesting things but none of it actually happens right i Uh, mean cal's so much more interesting than sky and so Mm -hmm. i guess that's supposed to like transfer to her and all of this like can she hold the obelisk or not? But I'm also like, the obelisk is more interesting than Sky. That's not really. Which, 
honestly, I mean, if you think yeah. I'm being too hard fair on enough. the first part no. of the season, tell me. But honestly, no, it's like fair enough. You know, but I really want to care. The problem with Sky is that we are informed of like everything like it's it's yeah. all informative you know um interest like you know this thing happened in her past she's trying to deal with it but in the moment sky is not as a personality that interesting she doesn't do things that are terribly interesting until she shoots ward and then can't shoot her dad like in that moment i think that that we're giving her stuff to do yes but yes. what we've been giving her is stuff to talk about and it's not that Interesting. I mean, I like her when she's fighting with Agent 33, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's fantastic. And apparently, Agent 33, along with May's face, also got May's fighting style because she can whop, you know? Um, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, but but we have her fighting with um, with Agent 33. She's holding her own. She's got blood on her face. The big disgrace. Um, kicking a can all over the place. Whatever. I just got it in my head. I had to finish it. Um <laughs> And and we have her interacting with Reyna while she's still all bloody. And so, like, I you know, I kind of like that. Like, I like that they are giving her that badassery. And I also have to say, once again, I appreciate the fact that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't turn to the male gaze with this shit. We have these two women fighting, but they're powerful. It's choreographed and shot like it was like if it was a man fight, it would be the same thing, you know. Um, so one of the things is I try not to talk about what shows don't do. But in this yeah. particular instance, given what so many other shows do when we have women kicking ass, um, I, I again have to just say how much I appreciate how much as a woman I feel safer watching Agents yes. of Shield. Um and it's it's absolutely wonderful. So I just wanted to throw that appreciation out there as I will do at random points throughout the run of the show because they really do that beautifully. Um or or avoid that beautifully. <laughs> so we have that with Sky and I think that that's really interesting, but we don't get much of her she's it's so informed it's all informed instead of experienced with her and her personality we don't really get much of a sense of that she just basically sits there with those big eyes looking woeful and that's not enough i think to make her interesting but but it's so close it's like almost there you know, she's well, like in the uncanny valley of interest. Mm, I still think that's because all the stuff that's like connected to her on the story diagram is really mm -hmm. interesting. I don't think it has yeah. anything, mm -hmm. to, it, which is depressing. I mean, look, I love Bobby, but wouldn't mm -hmm. it have been perhaps a wiser choice to give all of Bobby's jobs to Sky? Yeah, we're getting a little crowded, too. I mean, we're actually at the point where we have to split up into teams just because there isn't enough space in any given shot for the for everybody who's doing stuff on this team you know we've added on to i mean you usually got a five person team you know your five man band sometimes you can expand that to six we've got like i don't know 12 agents of shield running around now we're just picking up people all over the place um and it's great i mean i love mac i love hunter i like bobby you know she's okay but she does oh my feel god our feelings about bobby and hunter are like diametrically reversed like they're oh, just you hate the flip. hunter no, I don't hate them. I'm just, yeah. just like, okay, cool. Okay. I like cold right. potatoes. It's fine. <laughs> but why are you going to mess with that yeah. cold potatoes when you got Bobby over here doing stuff, you know? No, man. I, you know me. I got a weakness for British men. I really do. I got a weakness for British men. Um, so I like Hunter. Bobby does not interest me that much because she doesn't do anything that May can't do or that even now Sky can't do. Like, okay. Aside from I the disagree. Batons. I mm -hmm. disagree. Okay. 
because when they are in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. well, she she she's had a couple of things that I think are outside of May and Sky's purview that are great. Mm-hmm. Um, her her in depth working of Bakshi, like uh-huh. trying to cultivate him as an asset, is mm-hmm. not a thing that Mayor Sky could have done. Okay. And her mm-hmm. contacts in Puerto Rico are. Yeah. Not a thing Mayor Sky could have done because May doesn't make friends. She murders dudes. You this know? is true. This and, is very true. I mean, true. you could have gotten there with Sky because of, you know, whatever, uh, secret society computer shenanigans. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mm-hmm. like the idea of somebody who shows up and actually does spy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Bobby does spycraft. No one yeah. else on this show is doing that except sometimes Simmons when she's talking to a taco rapper. <laughs> well, Colson. I mean, Colson does this stuff. But I don't know. Like, I guess, okay, I guess, and I know that this is probably going to break your heart, but it's just like, I don't care about the spy stuff. I like the tech. But the spy stuff, I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm bored by that. So this is I'm a kind show of... about spies. No, it's, but it's so much more than that. And there's other <laughs> stuff happening. And the spy stuff is my least favorite stuff about this show. I love everything else. But the spy stuff, which of course is at the core of it, um, is the least interesting to me. So I think that maybe that's why Bobby is the least interesting to me. Although, I mean, I like her, you know, I mean, but I'm not like, oh my God, it's Bobby. Um, she also gets a costume, which is pretty yes. dope. <laughs> well, everybody else Mac. running around in their black jumpsuit she gets right. a costume this is true this is true um but i love mac right you know yes. mac of course is wonderful he's absolutely like this very strong emotionally connected person um i i love the way that he connects with Fitz. i love that relationship i love this he is a- as masculine as they get and yet still emotionally connected Love that. It's so fun. It's so refreshing. I absolutely adore it. I love Trip. Trip is adorable. Trip is funny. He's got personality. I mean, I'm interested in him for yeah. who he is as a character much more than I'm ever interested in Sky. They don't give Sky that kind of personality. That's what I want from Sky. That's yes. just no, missing. No, I agree. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah. Which, without bagging on it too much, is has really been a Sky problem since season one, where we were like, oh, yeah. you say that she's about this thing, but none of that ever actually gets ratified by the script. And Exactly. Y- yeah. And they are kind of in a dangerous space where the people that they're adding are mm-hmm. more interesting than the people they started with. Like, Trip oh, is clearly a better yeah. ward. Yes. Oh, you know. yeah. Like a million times. Mm-hmm. And Mac, now, now look, I like Simmons a lot, but it, after mm-hmm. the stuff that happened in season one and where we start in season two, Mac is almost a better count i think he is at this point a better counterpart to fitz than yeah. simmons mm-hmm. which they're doing on purpose but y- you right. know there's a <laughs> there's a there's a broader context here where it's like mm-hmm. okay so bobby is the better sky uh <laughs> mac is the better simmons and trip mm-hmm. is the better ward are, are you guys aware that you're writing a different show than the one i'm watching you know you're actually upgrading while keeping the old parts right yeah yeah <laughs> that's not how this works we <laughs> yeah but i mean it is it's such a huge crew and i actually i mean i like all these people but it's just it's too many you know yes. and and unfortunately we get rid of you know one of my favorites trip just nothing now. Okay, you know? is that forever? Just tell me, damn it. Is that forever? Okay, yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah. I that, know. That's it. I quit. I know. I have, <laughs> I almost did too. I haven't quite gotten over it yet. <laughs> Here I am, you know, like anxiously awaiting season six of this show, and I have not quite gotten over it yet. I'm um, never going to get, I'm never going to get over that. Rip trip okay. forever. I'm yeah, going to get no. t-shirts. That's ridiculous. Yes. 
No, Trip is so fantastic, and to lose him, like, I mean, the thing is, people come back from the dead all the time. Like, why couldn't they figure out a way to save Trip? Um, and it kind of sucks, but at the same time, like, we're, you know, our crew is getting too big, um, and it needs to be, you know, brought down in size a little bit. It's just that I would never have made that choice. I'm so in love with Trip, but I think that's part of the reason why they did make that choice, because, you know, had it been somebody we didn't care about, that we didn't love, we wouldn't feel that love loss as much you know so i mean i guess like i understand that but i still don't like it i am <laughs> livid and i will never forgive yeah I, it took me a long time i've, I've i'm still i'm still kind of angry about that I, add I, that I went to the list of things you're gonna hear me bitch and moan about for six seven seasons all number right, one right. season one number two <laughs> ward and number three no trip ridiculous no trip. Right. Okay. Anyway, we're going to have to get over it and move on. So let's talk a little bit about Fitzsimmons. You're talking about Mac being like a better counterpart to Fitz than Simmons is at this point. And I think that that's true. I mean, we're, we're really like, you know, keeping them separate. There's so much distance between them. They're not talking to each other. But one of the things that I really like is that we get this moment where Fitz basically quits. He says, I'm, I'm going to the garage to work with Mac. Yeah. Um, you're going to run the, the science lab. I can work with you, but I I can't work for you, you know, like all of this stuff is really kind of, in, or I can work for you, but I can't work with you. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that that's really interesting when they're trying to have that conversation, they've been completely unable to communicate. And even in that moment, he can't listen to her. He can't, he's like, just let me talk, you know, uh, because he wants to get that out. But then immediately afterward, when they're down in the temple, right, she's finishing his sentences. She's completing his thoughts. She's expressing things for him and doing it right. They start to work together again. It's almost like they had to let like bust that relationship down to the floorboards and just start rebuilding. And as soon as they do, they're in sync again. Well, let me throw this out there because mm -hmm. I think, I think they kind of actually telegraph that a little bit mm -hmm. with Fitz and the bomb Yeah, that he has to, or not, it's not a bomb. What is it? The device he has to dismantle. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the fact that once he is put in a position where he must do the thing, he does mm -hmm. the thing spectacularly, yeah. Yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's kind of the communication with Simmons. Right. The trouble is, now, pro I'm expecting them to put Fitzsimmons back together. I'm mm -hmm. expecting that. But at yes. the same time, there's a part of me that wonders if that is in fact the best thing for Fitz or for mm -hmm. Simmons, but especially for Fitz. And so I'm not sure how I feel about it. You know, yeah, um, they definitely like set it up. It wasn't uh -huh. out of nowhere that all of a sudden uh, Fitz is able to slide into a more comfortable, more competent space. They've been, yeah. you know, working towards that. But I am kind of sitting there going, man, but is that the best thing for you as people? And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, I, of course, come from this, you know, come at this with the knowledge of the whole run of the series. And I, I feel I feel that they will win you over. No, it's not. I'm actually expecting them to never ratify my concerns. Like they're just going to forge ahead with with putting Fitzsimmons back together stronger than before it broke like a bone. You know, I think. No, I think that they. they OK, I would say, in my opinion, they earn it. They make they make Fitz and Simmons work for their money. I'm believing this. Like, I believe so, you. Yeah. But in this moment, I'm just telling you that I had a moment where I was like, I'm not sure that's actually I healthy. It. I get it. No, I understand. I understand. It's and we're we're in a weird place with them. But it's uh, I don't know. I The whole Fitzsimmons thing is like my favorite thing. I love it. So um, I, I suspect I'm going to really enjoy that ride. 
You know, I hope and, so. I and, hope and I'm in do. the right place for where I am on the ride right now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think you're exactly where you should be. So I think that that's really good. Um, I love Fitz's badass capability when he's like, I can do it in seven minutes. And Colson's like, that's not good enough. He's like, no, it's my bad hand. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, go. Fitz, I love him stepping in and being able to do it and being Fitz again. You know, it's I mean, it's the weirdest occupational therapy ever. Yes, no, but I it love absolutely it. Absolutely is, but he's doing great when he's not playing video games with Mac. He's he's you know working bombs and detonating devices and everything. <laughs> um, it's just it's really great, and I love. Oh my god, that heartbreaking moment when he's got the gun on Mac. Mac is possessed. Colson says shoot him, and Fitz can't. He can't do it, and yeah, and so we have that kind of resonating again later. You know, with Sky and her dad. You know, um, that she can't do it either but like Fitz he's like these aren't icers these are real bullets and Colson's like yeah I know yeah <laughs> you know um Colson is actually able to you know make the call which I think is really is really cool and and tough you know but that's a Colson thing um but he can't shoot Mac and the Mac falls down the shaft which is awful I mean it's so awful but for some reason I don't know why Falling into the hole in the ground just strike, strikes me as funny. I can't help it. I know that makes me a terrible person because no, I love Mac and I was it's heartbroken. It's because it's classic. That mm-hmm. is a classic. Like, that is right on the edge of being a literal cliffhanger, if you'll pardon my pun. Right. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, an, an interesting thing comparing Fitz's inability to shoot Mac with uh, Sky's inability to shoot Cal is that mm-hmm. that... Fitz cannot shoot Mac because of who Mac actually is to him. And right. Sky cannot shoot Cal because of the idea of her father. Right? Yes. Like he's mm-hmm. clearly a hot mess and nothing like what she was expecting, even if she wasn't really expecting anything. But she's right. so mm-hmm. she's been so obsessed. And I think that there that may be the thing. Like uh mm-hmm. Fitz can't shoot Mac because he loves Mac. And yeah. Sky can't shoot Cal because she is obsessed with the idea of her father. Well, yeah, I mean, she's been searching for this man, you know, her whole life. And now she finally gets to see him and she just can't do it. You know, but she's so torn. And I actually like that. You know, if if not in execution, but in concept, this idea, like when Raina's is talking to her, you know, and Raina says, did you know that he actually delivered you? And Sky's like, that's sweet. He also killed a bunch of people. Right. Like, yes. Yes. You know, I love that. She, you know, it, it's this wonderful thing that 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 Joss Whedon loves to do a lot. And actually, I honestly think that this is mostly I mean, Joss Whedon is an executive producer, but this is mostly Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancheron who are actually doing this. And I think that they are able to, um, I think they're actually better than Joss Whedon. I mean, honestly, I think they're they're really, really good at what they do. But I love the fact that they're playing with this everything you ever wanted, right? You know, whenever yeah. anybody wants something desperately, it's everything they ever wanted, they get it. And it's always complicated. You know, it's always, it's always a monkey's paw, you know? Yes. And so I love that she's, you know, she's got this, she's found her father and he is a murderous killer, you know, and like, what the fuck with that, right? It's so it's so great. I love the way that they play that out. Even though in the execution with Sky, you know, it's it's missing some some really essential parts like for her character and making her character really, really engaging. Um but I mean I love what they're doing with that story and God I love Cal. 
No, legit. Like, I hope he's around for a while, but now that they've murdered Trip, there's no telling. I have no... The ground has fallen from beneath my feet. Yeah. I am adrift on a sea of not knowing what the hell to expect from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But I know. I, well, that's the thing. They do keep you on your toes. Yeah. Well, and, and even if he's only around for, you know, the rest of the season, that's pretty good. Because he is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's really he's really good. I, I, because I feel like he's doing on the villain side mm-hmm. what Sky's doing yes. on the hero side, where he's like, yeah. none of this is going the way that I wanted it to go. <laughs> Everything he ever wanted, right? You know, yeah. he finally gets his daughter, and it's under these circumstances, you know, um, where he's, uh, you know, like when he's in Australia, right, and he's killing Trip. You know, and basically setting up Coulson. And he's like, I'm only going to get one chance at a first impression. This doesn't look very good. <laughs> you know? yeah, so he yeah. has to get out of there. That slightly panicked, she's not here, is she? It's yeah, so right, good. Exactly. Is she, she going to see me murder all these people? Um, and I love this when he's in the room with Skye, you know, and he's finished telling her the whole thing. And he's like, I'll make plenty of time to answer all of your questions. But first, now that he's served his purpose, I'm going to go kill the man who destroyed my life. Yeah. Best day ever. You know, he's so good. He's so complex and interesting. And, you know, here we have like you compare him to Whitehall and to like Hydra in general. Right. You know, Whitehall and Hydra are these, like, just, you know, evil. Like, if evil was a Kinsey scale, they'd be a zero. That's it, right? You know? Right. Um, they're completely on, on the zero side of evil and good, you know? And, and they're... There's no complexity there. There's nothing in Whitehall that's good or complicated or at war with itself. And you know what? That's okay. Like, your villains don't have to be that way. But it is really interesting when you can do that. And they do that with Cal in this really lovely, complex way. I mean, he's so sympathetic. You can you can really see how he got where he is. Yeah. How he, you know, managed, like, picked up his anger issues. Because this guy, you know, butchered his wife you know it took his daughter like his daughter's gone it's just everything he loses everything in the most brutal and horrible way and so you can understand how he got to where he is but at the same time like he's also monstrous guy he is monstrous you know that's a tough thing to play and i love the way that they they do that so it's it's nice he's this you know villainous foil for whitehall and when we see cal everything that whitehall lacks you know becomes so clear and then (laughs) whitehall for all of his like 150 years of being a bad guy (laughs) (laughs) colson just walks up behind him shoots him twice and boom that's it gone (laughs) like taken out and i love that he was taken out in this like really kind of casual mundane way which we usually don't leave for villains but then cal's vengeance is taken from him he's so angry because he doesn't get to like super murder this guy you know um in the most painful way possible and then just that anger shifts right over onto colson who of course is the is the dad foil with the sky relationship like this is a you know parental triangle you know here with these these two people colson who is actually fulfilling the role of sky's dad without being her dad and then cal who desperately wants to be in that role and is her dad um i love that whole dynamic what did you think about all of that no that is super strong Mm -hmm. um i love i hope that they play up the familial love triangle between Mm -hmm. sky and cal and colson that needs and and i I have some hope that they will because it was Mm -hmm. so deliberate to shift cal's hatred from whitehall to colson 
Yes. Mm-hmm. And as he, because he probably doesn't know a lot about Coulson and Sky's relationship right now, so it was yeah. easy to tie that to the lack of vengeance. But then he yes. can just ratify it going forward. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, no learning more about Sky and Coulson's relationship that needs to be a thing. And if it's not, I'm going to be a little disappointed because that is so thematically awesome. Like, just, All right, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna whistle past that. <laughs> You're not going to be disappointed. So anyway. Yes. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I love it. I love it. It's it's all really, really great. Um, and Cal is is so fun. Um, so so what else did you think about like like that whole run with Cal? I mean, how are, how are you feeling about him? Oh, I'm, I'm here for Cal. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited for him to become like the new foil, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Kyle McLaughlin's doing a great job. All this stuff is really meaty and complex, like his reasons for doing things and Sky's obsession with the idea of a dad. And to be honest, I think he's kind of obsessed with the idea of a daughter. Yeah. And maybe honestly, not even that obsessed with the idea of a daughter, except in as much as she was a connection to his beloved and tragically lost wife. Right. And she was taken from him. Like, it is very egocentric. It's all Cal-centric, you know? Yeah. It's not about what happened to her. It's what was taken from him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is really great villainous stuff because it's that, yeah. that cracked mirror that the best villains are where it's like, here's a good yeah. thing, only twisted a little, you know? Yeah. Um, the idea of loss of, of his family mm-hmm. is... You know, even in the best people, there is a certain amount of that that is self-centered, right? Like, because you're the one who's still there carrying the grief. But in his case, it really is like the most important thing is how this affects me and I'm going to fix it and murder with my bare hands anyone who gets in my way, um, Mm -hmm. like takes that completely understandable loss and turns it into villain territory. He's great. Because even the butchering of Sky's mother, right, is about him. It's about what was taken from him. You know, they yeah. butchered her. She was mine. You yes. Know? Um, she was and, special and she was yes. mine and they mm-hmm. stole her from me. And I was like, damn, this is yeah. kind of nursing complex. this one. <laughs> And so here we are, like, you're sympathetic, right? You feel for him. But at the same time, there is that that missing empathy that missing ability to let anything be about anybody but him but at the same time like when you deal with a trauma like that i mean maybe it was just too hard for him to think about what sky was going through or what his wife felt and he had to make it all about him as a survival because it was the only way to survive it like you you can can backfill that that in a very sympathetic way definitely yeah yeah, and you can also ignore it and just go, and that was the day he became a monstrous individual. I mean, exactly. it's pretty good. It's pretty good. No, there's loads of great, great stuff going on there. So I want to circle back to Whitehall and Hydra a little bit because yeah. after our last episode, there has mm-hmm. been a ton of conversation in the Chipperish Discord chat, which if you don't know, at the end, we will talk about uh, supporting both Pulp Diction and Chipperish through Patreon, which is how you get access to the Discord chat. And when we say that's where all the smartest people are, we're not kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they just had this expansive conversation about what it means for Hydra and Whitehall to be Nazis, but not quite. 
Mm-hmm. And how did that play in 2014 versus how that plays now? And the reason that I wanted to bring that up is you talk about how they're super evil and creepy, but they are not interesting or complex, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And and at least to start our conversation, I will say if we must, and I'm questioning whether we must, but if we <laughs> must have villains that are also Nazis in the year of our Lord 2019, mm-hmm. I do not want them interesting or complex. Exactly. No, I don't absolutely. want them cartoons. Yes. Mm-hmm. They are bad. There is nothing they redeeming are about all them. Bad. Yeah. No sympathy for that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we don't ever like Nazis are the are the easy, simple. Just add Nazis, and here you've got villains. Boy, they like, used to be know. right. They yeah. used to yeah. be. Yeah, you know, and having sympathy for Nazis is not something that we we can do. They're so far on that evil scale, you know, that we can't pull them in. And I think that's okay. You know, like, I think that's all right. But yeah, you don't want to have sympathy for Nazis. I wouldn't want them to make him complex, given that that connotation, you know, and that relationship. Um, So yeah, absolutely. Last year, the CW superhero shows did a big crossover where they fought Nazi versions of themselves. And it wow. was uncomfortable for me to watch in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's enjoyable, right? I went through yeah. it, but it was also like, damn, this is a lot of Nazi stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And the moment that they tried to inject a little complexity into the Nazi versions of our heroes was when I was like, oh, maybe don't, you know? Nope, can't do it. And I want to shout out our, our, our patrons again for this conversation because they're less was about Whitehall. Their conversation was less about Whitehall and more about Hydra. How Hydra Mm -hmm. has kind of perhaps moved past Nazism and into a more generic fascism because Mm -hmm. it's still about who's in and who's out, but they clearly employ people of color in all kinds of levels. Like look at Bakshi, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. he's high up. Uh, you You can't write all of this off with absorbing shield agents and to be honest right. um in the flashback we have mm-hmm. whitehall is collected by an, an agent who is a man of color mm-hmm. and and he doesn't really bat an eye you know mm-hmm. and i mean there, there's all kinds of I, I he had no idea what was going on with hydra on the outside and i'm sure a lot of his guards were people that he would rather not as a nazi mm-hmm. interact with so the, um but there our patrons concern was kind of like this is never really dealt with, right? They never really talk about that shift. It's just, it's a thing we have to backfill. Right. Yeah. Hydra is Nazis minus a lot of the racism, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe which is which means not Nazis, really Nazis. Which right? means not really Nazis. Yeah. yeah. No, it's but absolutely Nazis. Like, I mean, like, you know, right. Whitehall, nobody is, is like a picture boy for the Aryan Brotherhood more than Whitehall, you yeah. know? And but, hello, Whitehall, right? Um, so <laughs> even I mean, his fake like, name is even super his white. Fa- exactly, is super super white. So yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's interesting because it feels like they're trying to like rub some of the serial numbers off of the Nazi sheen, you know. But it's still there. Like that association is still there, and um, and it's still very real and and i but it but it shouldn't be you're absolutely right and i think everybody's like it shouldn't be complicated hydra's nazis that's it well they have to decide yeah i think Mm -hmm. that's the thing and 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 again i feel like there's the difference between 2014 and 2019 here sure is that they weren't doing something wrong per se Mm -hmm. but with a little more hindsight i i they can move beyond Nazism to a more generalized world conquering fascism, but they need, in my opinion, looking backwards, I would prefer it if they had made that textual. 
You know, right. we don't need yeah. a lot of conversation about that, but an opportunity for Bobby mm-hmm. to say, you know, you're not really who you'd expect a Nazi organization to to let lead the place, Bakshi, and and have right. three sentences of that, you know, just make that textual. Mm-hmm. So I'll say, patrons, great conversation. Keep that yes. up. But the the best part of what they do make textual with Hydra is they are uncomplicatedly evil. And so is Whitehall. Uncomplicatedly evil. And yeah, absolutely. Whitehall goes out like a chump. Yeah. Yes, he does. He doesn't get the big villain ending. And nope. I'm like, yeah. Absolutely. Don't give him that, you know. Um, And, you know, of course, now that we've, you know, addressed our little Nazis issues and talked about the wonderful, you know, Discord chat, which is amazing uh, information at the end about how you can become a supporter and join in and get in on that. Um, We had some wonderful stuff. We had some moments with Peggy Carter. Yes. Peggy Carter, who, you know, I love and, you know, and I'm, I'm hesitating getting into season two of Peggy Carter because once season two is done, that's it. You know, and and I don't want to say goodbye. Uh, so we're kind of holding off on that for a little while. Um, but Peggy Carter is so much fun to see. I love that the headquarters, um, you know, are Peggy's old headquarters. You know, it's her yeah. old space, her old kicking grounds. Um, I love how excited Gemma is about this was a sheet of paper actually signed by Peggy Carter. Like, um, <laughs> she's I British, love you know. All of that. She's British, you know. She's British and a woman, not entirely unlike Gemma Simmons. Um, uh-huh. So Gemma, I can see, you know, identifying great deal with Peggy Carter you know um, I absolutely love having all of that it was fun to see our uh, some of our howling commandos you know um, yeah. so that was fun we get howling commando tech which we reference a little bit later because of course all the modern tech gets you know shorted out in the magical temple of doom you know uh, so we have some howling commando tech which of course comes through trip right you know yeah. and howling commandos beautifully diverse we also hardly knew you know you back trip. in the day oh god I miss trip pouring um, some out for trip Yes, no, absolutely. It was wonderful, um, you know, having that reference to the Howling Commandos. I loved having them in there. And so, you know, it didn't take over anything. We didn't have to super explain too much, you know, about Peggy Carter. But we did, you know, throw her some joy and um, and some honor, which I really, really loved. So that was kind of fun to see. It's fun to see Peggy again. Let me ask you about exposition yes. flashbacks in terms of mm-hmm. Whitehall's stuff. Yes. Do you feel... Like it was worthwhile exposition because it was so tied to our present day story. It did not have a narrative of its own per se. I mean, it did kind of have a beginning, middle and end for Whitehall. It's it's you know. a short story, I guess. You know, we yeah. do we do have that. We do have a beginning, a middle and end. it is Whitehall's narrative. So and we needed to know that stuff, there. I think. And we needed to know that stuff. And they're short you know, they're they're wonderfully short, which is good. You know, we don't spend too much time on it. So as much as I hate expositional flashbacks, I think that there's arguments that will defend the ones that we have here. You know, aside from aside from showing us Peggy Carter, who I love, right. and of course, it's always fun to see her. You know, um, there there is a narrative line. I mean, that's that's my my thing with flashbacks. Generally, I mean, I think pretty much everybody here has already heard this, but generally, I dislike flashbacks that are expositional that totally give us just backstory um, and fill in some of those holes because they they are interrupting the now of the current story. And if they don't have their own narrative line. They really aren't justified within the storytelling. Um, I think we do get a narrative line here. It is Whitehall's, so it's not that interesting, but we do get one. Um, so I'm okay with it. And also it gives us Peggy. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of my my deal mm-hmm. is um, 
I'm not sure that there was a better way to give us this information because right. because it was a lot. I mean, it ties him to Cal and ties him to Sky and yes. explains his lack of age, which if it was just to explain his lack of aging, it would be a waste of time. But they did it that, isn't enough. Mm-hmm. you know, by tying it to all this other stuff and then by cherry on top of the Sunday, the, Peggy. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yes, exactly. And the Howling Commando. So, you know, yeah, it was it's it's I think it's justified. It's it's on the line, you know. Uh, when we first saw the opening scene, I'm like, ugh, expositional flashback. But then it earned its space, I think, throughout the run of the episode. So I, I think it's okay. Excellent. Okay, you heard it here first, chipperish fans. <laughs> yes, sometimes it's okay. Like, there, are, you have to look at everything. There are no devices that are just bad all the time. Except maybe prologues, but no. <laughs> Oh, wow. Just get that dig in on the way out. So Raina? Yeah. Yeah. Raina. Let's talk a little bit about Raina, who I always, always love. I mean, we open with her in the coffee shop. Of course, she's got a sugar daddy, right? Right. In no time at all, she's turned this guy around. He's going to be taking her, you know, traveling the world, right, where she wants to go, you know. Um, It is so fun, you know, and I love seeing her do that. And then, of course, dumps him immediately, sees Agent 33, hightails it out there. Not even a goodbye. That guy never knows what happened to her. (laughs) No, he was just a brick in her wall anyway, like. Oh, exactly. I know. But I love, I love that here she is, you know, ready to let this guy take her around the world. And then she's like, whatever. And that's it. He's gone. Um, You know, she's runs out. Of course, we've got the Koenigs, the Koenigs that I love, right? When he's like, you're going to want to take your next right, next right, unless you want to spend the night in the Hotel Hydra. You know, I you're going to need a lanyard. I love it. That the Koenigs made jokes about both of my or or maybe even all three. Did they make a clone uh-huh. joke? They are making jokes about oh, all yeah. of my best guesses. So Oh yeah, no, they made jokes about the, you know, uh, we have 13 of them, one of them right. fits out, you know? Like I mean, it's they're so fantastic. I love Pat Oswalt in this role. I love everything about it. I love when he's like, "Come here, give me a hug. I'm not hitting on yet. We just got to, you know, hide under this magical umbrella." Yeah. <laughs> you know, okay, okay, let me point out to you. We talk about how not sexist this show is and that maybe Mm -hmm. they were just not being dicks you know yes but Mm -hmm. but in that line i don't know i think they know exactly what they're doing because i think they do we didn't need that line and it is it is a cute canig moment but it's not necessary on any level except to make Mm -hmm. it clear we know what this looks like you know yes um and the only other time we do that hiding through making out is with Mm -hmm. hunter and bobby who are into it you know. Right, right. Yes, so, exactly. I'm mm-hmm. saying good job, no, I you think, guys. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we have, um, you know, a woman of color, Marissa Tancherone, at the top of the, the above the line crew. Um, that's why we need people, you know, people who are not white men. You know, I, I love you, Joshua. You're great. But, you know, like we've had too many white men telling all the stories from are these you kidding perspectives. Me? And I now, agree completely. Yeah, I know. I know that you do. But I always feel bad when I'm like, get the white men out because they've had their day, you know. Um, And it's not that white men can't be great writers. I mean, obviously, some of the writers, some of my favorite writers are white men. I have to pull out that old saw. (laughs) Some of my best friends are white men. Exactly. But, you know, but it's it's enough. And having a woman of color at the top of the creative crew here, I think, makes a big difference. And I 
love it. That's the kind of like subtle stuff that ripples through it that makes me feel safe as a woman watching yes. the show. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, I think it's fantastic. But back to the show. Um, love the Koenigs. Of course, love Raina, right? You know, we've got this whole thing with Raina. She's searching for her destiny. I love she's telling this story, like this this mythologized story about the blue yes. angels who fell from the heavens and like who in the hell would call the Cree angels you know like i mean they're they're horrible and we will see of course more of them as we go through but we've you know you never see a cree uh in the run of of the marvel universe that's that's like a good guy i don't think anyway um but we've got this power of story you know with reina like she's mythologizing this whole thing and has this framing of the actual story which when we get to it is of course far more brutal yeah. um, than what she's telling but she's telling this story you know and then when hydra comes for her and they're like yeah we'll bring you to the to your destiny she's like okay <laughs> she Dope, i'm on board on the, she's like whatever i'm with it you know and then she sells out sky where she's like don't forget your tablet with the you know map to the hidden city right <laughs> I mean, because Raina's focus is laser-like. She she, she has never she not been working towards that city, even when exactly. she didn't know the city existed. Exactly. You know, so, I mean, I love what we've got of Raina. Um, she's fantastic. And I especially love, like, there's that moment at the end, right? You know, her cocoon starts to crackle off. And you, all you see is her, like, cat eye and thorns in her face, mm -hmm. right? And you can't help but think... Not what she was looking for, right? Well, I may have mentioned that uh, the the danger of Rando superpowers is that some of them are shit and some of them yes. are awesome. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. And some of them are awesome, but also make you hideous. Like that's a real big right. uh, X-Men thing now and then. I know. And it's a, it's another it's another everything you ever wanted, right? right. If yeah. somebody is laser focused on a goal, there's one thing that they want. It's all they want. It's what they've always wanted. They get it and it's always a monkey's paw. I love that. Now, I'm going to here's a thing that I'm keeping my eye on that will mm -hmm. upset me, uh depending yes. on how it goes, honestly, because we come out of the cocoons and Sky, our protagonist, remains yes. her ridiculously beautiful self. Oh, and yes. Raina comes out, our, in this case, antagonist comes out, and she's yes. hideous. And I right. I don't know. Raina's not a good person, okay? Uh -huh. But I don't know when we've got cows and Whitehalls running around that, because I, li I like when super villains, yes. internal mm -hmm. hideousness is literalized on the outside. Right. There are better and worse ways to do that, you know, like you mm -hmm. can stray into ableism or into all kinds of body shaming and stuff. But like sure. the idea that your evilness inside twists your outside is a metaphor that I can get behind. But when mm -hmm. we have these other people running around, I'm like, it's OK if Raina spends a little bit of time upset about it, but she better get all right with it and start being like, what are you kidding me? This was my destiny. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> all right. I am not going to respond to any of that. I'm not because surprised. Because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> But everybody out there knows exactly how I'm responding inside. So I'm just going to everybody who's seen it. Anyway. I'm just saying I like I get what they're doing. And, you know, generally I like what they're doing. I will not be called yes. on my hypocrisy in this case. It's just like we've yes. got worse people running around and Sky just comes out and she's all like, uh, isn't it, you know, Maybelline? Mm -hmm. Plus in humans. Yes, exactly. I mean, you know, exactly. No, of course. Well, we're not going to we're not going to take away any of Sky's beauty. I mean, she's, you know, a lead on the show. Right. Um, but but yeah, 
it's it's complicated and interesting and um and i really i love that moment i love that moment where the the cocoon just flies off of her yes you know and we see her like you know in this light and she's super heroic the way that they shoot the shot you know the way that they do it like from low up looking at her her hair's flying all over the place i am in oh yeah the music video slow motion Yeah, Yeah, I love that whole thing. I love the the powerful way that they like express that shot. Um, When I saw that the first time, I was like, hot damn, because I had no idea. Like, I didn't know about any humans. I didn't know what this thing was going to (laughs) do. I didn't know anything about anything, you know, but I'm watching this show and then I'm like, okay, well, what the hell did they just do to Sky? Like, and of course, this was the mid-season finale. So we had to wait like a month or so until like the next episode came out. I was like, oh, my God. Um, But it was I love the power of that moment. And then followed by that heartbreaking watching Trip just disintegrate into dust. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So, so, so tough. But a beautiful ending. I mean, I love that whole thing. Yeah. No, I I agree completely. And in fact, that shot is probably what soaked up the actual cocoon money. Yes, I think it is. Because that shot is amazing Mm -hmm. on its own merits. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, We also get a little bit, you know, before we close up here, I want to like throw a little bit. We get Agent 33, right, who is happy to comply, right? She's completely with Whitehall. Then Whitehall dies and is taken away from her. And Agent 33 is such a tragic figure. I mean, this woman cannot catch a break. I mean, she's a loyal agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She gets put into Whitehall's, you know, mind bending machine, clockwork orange bullshit, right? Then she's completely dedicated and focused on Whitehall. She's happy to comply. Then Whitehall dies. And what does she do? She ends up with Ward. (laughs) I really appreciated how much of a lost puppy she became instantly. Well, and she loses her identity even because Twice she's got over. the Mayface on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like she just gets stripped of everything. And you're like, what did this woman do in a past life? She cannot catch a break. It is so horrible. But, you know, but I mean, like she is truly complicated. You look at her and you think none of this is her fault. None of this yeah, is her definitely. doing. This is just stuff that happens to her, you know. Um, and so I think she's really interesting. She ends up, of course, because we can't have war just die. Right. <laughs> you know, so can't she we? ends up. Uh, well, yeah, apparently not. Um, <laughs> contracts, man. Signed a contract. Got to see it through. Um, but uh, but she um, she picks him up, and now she's you know in the clutches of Ward, which is obviously clearly not going to end well. I don't think I have to you know be too worried about spoilers on yeah, that, no. right? Um, yeah. So I mean, but she I think is is really interesting, really complicated for for a character that has such a you know kind of a background role, you know. Um, she's really interested in watching that narrative kind of unfold in these little spaces in the background. I'm actually really enjoying. Yeah, she is a really great background character because she's mm-hmm. the kind of background character that does not get in the way of your foreground characters. But if you stop yeah. and focus on them, you're like, damn, this is dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 She's great. No, it definitely is. All right. So, Joshua, we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 8 through 10. What's your favorite part? Okay. This is both true and a little shady. Yes. Okay. okay. And it will be the last time that I mention in this episode the budget of this show. Okay. <laughs> because my favorite part was when they spend 
I don't know, several episodes teasing an ancient, fantastical alien city buried beneath the surface of planet Earth, and then they shot it on a Tomb Raider set that had been thrown away, and they turned the lights off. That took balls. <laughs> uh, but they pulled it off, though. I mean, they pulled, for me, they pulled it off. Well. <laughs> it worked for me. N- <laughs> I mean, it's a giant, fantastical alien city. Maybe, yeah. maybe claustrophobic is not yeah, no. the thing yeah. you were you should have been going for. Fair enough. I mean, fair enough. The whole thing looks because of the way they shoot it. The whole thing looks like it's about yes. three blocks, and we're supposed to be like, "But Trip is so tired." I know. <laughs> and I'm like, He's "Is he running though? around? Is he all these bombs? Yeah." You know, how far apart were the bombs on your soundstage? Like, like on one hand, I am deeply impressed with their like, yes. well, we've teased this city and we have a dollar. How do we manage this? Right. And it's like, turn the lights out. <laughs> and on the other hand, I'm like, yeah. how dare you tease me with a Cree city and then turn the lights out, you monsters. I guess. I guess. I wasn't. Yeah, I can completely see where you're coming from. Absolutely. I was never that interested in the city. The city honestly the carving all of it i was like all right whatever let's just finish this so i was never that interested in the city but i could definitely see like they they made a lot of promises about how big a deal this city was and then there's nothing yeah there's like yeah two sets and some paper mache walls and that's it so my favorite part is both not great and great simultaneously right (laughs) lonnie tell us about yours i love the moment when sky busts out of the cocoon i love the way that's shot i love the way it has this hugely kinetic feel we see the ground shaking beneath her um it is such a powerful moment and she is wholly transformed the world has changed you know yeah um i love i love that moment it is truly a game changer you know we we don't know exactly what sky is at this point but we do know that this is like this destiny that she was supposed to to supposed to have and now she's she is whatever it is she's supposed to be you know yeah and um so i mean so that like makes it a game changer rather than a cliffhanger cliffhanger would have been you know we see her encased in the thing but we don't know what happened we don't know that trip's dead we don't know that rain is alive we don't know that sky is alive right at the end we have all that information but the world has changed you know something new is about to happen and you can never go back i absolutely love that i love the way they shot it i love the way they they built up to that um i love that this is the end of our mid-season finale mm-hmm. um that they didn't drop us on a cliffhanger all of it all of it i love yeah it's very strong it's really strong i, I like all of that a lot too i can't wait to see what these ballsy creators are going to do with the Inhumans because, oh, my God, you think you didn't know who the Inhumans were in 2014? Almost nobody knew. Like, nobody cared in 2014. Not even me. Mm -hmm. That's not true. I super love the Inhumans because Jack made them. But I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) No, I think it's going to be. I'm really interested for your response to the second half of season two. I think it's going to be fun. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich, and I am at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up, a holes. 
This episode of Listen Up A-Holes was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Alyssa from Dallas. Alyssa supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as reward gets a lanyard of her very own. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you to everyone who supports Chipperish Media or Pulp Diction Productions and makes Listen Up A-Holes a thing. To find out how you too can become a Listen Up A-Holes producer, visit the Patreon links in our show notes. Friends, this is also how you get in on the Discord where all the smartest conversation is happening. (laughs) Producer level support options are available at both Pulp Diction Productions and Chipperish Media. Yes. You can also show your support by leaving a great review on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for more people to find us and join in the conversation. Links are in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2, Episodes 11 through 13. Until then, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go kill the man who destroyed my life. Best day ever! Everything happened in that episode. <laughs> a lot happened. A lot happened. More happened in that episode than in the entirety of Season 1. <laughs> I know. You're going to have to get over Season 1, man. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this hobby horse is getting ridden all the way to the finish line. All right. Fair enough. Six seasons of why the hell was season one. <laughs> well, seven seasons now. It's been, it's been uh, renewed for another season after six. Don't threaten me with a good time. 